Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Um, We are concluding the book of James today. I'm a little sad about this. We've been in this series, I think, since Easter, um, and it's been a while. Uh, the Shubes are driving back from Houston. They're here. They're here. They're here. Uh, the Shubes are driving back from um, their place in Houston and or Galveston, and um, they came back, and she said, well, we, uh, we listened to you a lot yesterday, so they are all ready on the book of James, so I, here I am providing 16-hour car rides, all your listening pleasure uh, on the podcast. Um, we're concluding the book of James, and uh, I, I have just thoroughly enjoyed diving deep into this book and kind of going line by line and seeing all that we could just kind of get out of it. And so as we, we finish today, um, today's about prayer, um, really specifically how I'm going to go about it is the attitude in which we're supposed to bring to prayer. And so there's little books that have been provided for you today. Um, look kind of just different ways to pray, how to help your family with prayer. Um, the ushers were handing them out today. You can also, if you go, you know what? I turned that down on my way in, but now that I think about it, I really would like one of those. There are, um, there for you on the way out as well. Or if you have a friend that you look at that book and you go, man, my friend really needs this. Feel free to please, 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 please take one of those prayer books, uh, with you. Okay. So we're in this series. We're concluding James. And uh, we're going to talk about prayer. And this is very kind of an interesting spot in James because James chapter 5, the back half of James chapter 5, is about prayer. And it kind of feels like it comes out of left field because he's been talking about, hey, don't be a jerk. Don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, Do this a little better. Don't gossip about people. Don't do these things. And then all of a sudden he says, and pray. And you kind of go, where'd that come from? It's almost like he's throwing something in at the end, like, hey, 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 I I know I've been talking for four and a half chapters about this way, but I really want to get to this. That's not necessarily what's going on, because we read the scripture, we read the Bible, and we read little chunks, and we're like, okay, that's my little chunk for today. What's going on in the Bible is this is a letter written to different churches, and so he's bookending, or he started the book out with a certain thought, and he's going to finish the book out with concluding that same thought. Now, hopefully by now you guys have, if you've been here uh, through these 16, 17 messages, you know exactly what I'm going to say right now, but everything hinges in James on the very first verse. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. And a bondservant is a slave in which they put themselves into slavery. So what that means, kids, if I did something and I got lots of debt I got, I made bad choices and I don't know how to get out of those bad choices. I owe somebody a bazillion dollars and I don't have a bazillion dollars because that, that would be a lot of dollars. I would go to a master. I would go to someone who could purchase all that debt and I would say, hey, for my life, for the debt that I have, if you pay off my debt, I will be your man. And so that master would pay off all my past debt, but he would also purchase my present, who I am right now, and he would purchase, and because he purchased my past, he also gets to purchase my future. And that's what a bond servant is, a, it's this doulos word, this slave. 
And so when we, we think about that, that's a beautiful representation of what Jesus does for us. We come, we got some messes, we got some stuff, we got some a past junk in our lives, and we come to God and we say, God, I've messed up and I don't know how to correct my life. I don't know how to get out of this mess I found myself in. And what Jesus does is he buys our past and our present and our future. And so when James calls himself a bondservant of Christ, he says, I have submitted myself to God and Jesus Christ, and, they, and he has purchased my past and my present and my future. And when we understand that, we can understand everything else in James. And we can understand what he's going to talk about in prayer today, which is really important because James is coming at prayer with that same bondservant mentality. And if I'm honest with myself and the way in which I approach prayer, I don't approach prayer as a bondservant. I approach prayer as a master ordering my servant, God, around. Now, it would be pretty helpful if God was a genie and you could just say, hey, could you take care of that? Mm, take care of that. And take care of that. I got Aladdin playing in my head right now, right? You know, ding, 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 ding. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's not the way it works. But that's how sometimes we feel entitled that this whole prayer thing should work, that we come to God and say, hey, God, uh, if you could get on the dishes, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just pray and the dishes would be done? I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, so, or your kid's room would be cleaned. Oh, or you would never step on Legos again. You know, these, these are, these are, <laughs> okay, got, got, psychological scarring from Legos. Um, but if, if that's how that worked, and it's not, but it's not how that works because we don't order God around. God could very easily order us around. We have this privilege. We are, have this, uh, this beautiful opportunity that the God of all creation says, you know what? I want to talk to you, Bowen. The God of all creation says, you know what, Kendall? I care about your day. That's what prayer is, and then, then us going, God, this is what I did today. This is how this worked. This is what I need to do. This is what. And just as a kid talks to their daddy, 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 I scraped my knee. I did this, and talk about your day. God, prayer at its basic form is just having a conversation with God. Now, we should be awed. We should be blown away. We should just be going, whoa, God of all creation wants to talk to me. Instead, sometimes we fall into this trap of uh, this thing must be broken. You know, I hate driving through drive-thrus. My kids have probably seen me go through a drive-thru maybe like two times in their life. They turned nine this week. Okay, I do not go through drive-thrus. The m- number one reason why I go through drive-thrus, don't go through drive-thrus, is because of the stupid little microphone thing and they never get your order right. Right? Because I don't want mustard on anything. If you know me on anything, no mustard. Anytime, anywhere. Don't be sneaking mustard into baked beans. It tastes nasty. Stop it. My mama and my, my wife tried to use to sneak little tablespoons of mustard, and I had to take a bite of something I love. I'm like, why'd you put mustard in this? You didn't know that? Oh, they didn't argue with me if I put mustard in the baked beans or whatever else was going on. I know, people. I know. So I don't want mustard, but I'm sitting there in the, in the drive-thru, right, and you're saying, I, double bacon cheeseburger, no mustard. I get extra mustard. Why? Because there's a miscommunication. You know, they, but I expect you to get my order right. I expected you to do this thing. Sometimes we treat prayer like we're going through the drive-thru line at Burger King. Like we're like just, oh, well, I guess the solution is just scream louder into the microphone. Right? And we get mad 
And we call somebody, we take the survey in the bottom of the, the, the ticket so we get a free fries next time, except I never want to go back there because you messed up my order for the 15th time. Sorry, this is not about me and my relationship with Wendy's. Uh, so, but that's how we view prayer, right? It's the, same, it's the same thing. It's like, where's the survey I can take on how God answered my prayers? Because you're doing a bad job, God, and I want to talk to your manager. Oh, wait, you're God of the universe, there's, you create, mm. when we sit with this right kind of mindset, like, oh, wait a second, I have the privilege of talking to God. Now, some of us, you're going, but Jared, you don't know what's going on in my life. I do know what's going on in your life. I understand that. It's still the idea that we have the privilege of speaking to God through the hard, through the messy, through the good, through the bad, through the awkward, through all of it, we get to talk to God. James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. What James is really, we, we get focused in on this, like, how to, how can I have my prayer be more effective? How can I, I get what I want from God? How can I, if I hold my tongue right and my tooth like this and I pray on, like this, he's going to answer me the exact way that I want him to because of my issues, my stuff, whatever. That's not what James is going about. Remember, James has framed everything through the bondservant mentality. How do we c- talk to God as a bondservant coming before the master, the king who has paid the price for my past and my present and my future. And that's how we have to shift our mindsets and how we think about prayer. What's James saying? Hey, if you're happy, pray. If you're sad, pray. If you're going through a rough time, pray. Because the God of all creation wants to have a relationship with you. The God of all creation wants to talk to you. That's what prayer is about. When I stop thinking about God of all creation as me being his bondservant, Prayer becomes about how God, what he can do for me in this moment. And how maybe even overcoming the disappointment I have at God with him when he doesn't get my order right. And guys, I'll be honest with you. I'm tired of thinking God didn't get my order right. I'm tired of living in a relationship where I feel like, you know what, God, you you didn't do what I did, so you must be broken. Whether we agree with it or not, God's not broken. That doesn't mean he answers the prayers the way we want them to. And as painful and as hard as that is, it's true. So how do we pray appropriately so that we can understand and we can still walk with God when they, maybe the answer to the prayer is no? Maybe when the answer to the prayer is wait? Even sometimes when God says yes to a prayer and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. And then now we have all kinds of different issues. If God, God answered your prayer that you won the lottery tomorrow, you'd have all kinds of other issues you've got to pray through, right? That, that, that would not solve all of your issues. Nothing. How do we do this? Nothing will have a greater impact on your prayer life than your posture while praying. Nothing will have a greater impact on your prayer life than your posture while praying. Now, I have terrible posture, right? I'm sloucher. I'm taller than most people I talk to, so I try to come down to the level. And I'm, I need a chiropractor, 
And I'm going to need like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the guy with like this uh, because I have terrible posture because I'm always coming down and, and doing this. I sit at a computer and I do this and I do, I do this all the time. I'm building myself a standing desk. So I'll probably figure out how to slouch at a standing desk. I don't even know if that's possible, but I will do it because I have terrible, terrible posture. And, and what that does, it does all kinds of stuff to me. But we, when I talk about prayer and we talk about posture, it's maybe you do this at, at bedtime. Maybe you do this, um, at the dinner table, you got your, your hands put together, you got your eyes closed, you got your head bowed. Now, there's all kinds of different reasons we do that. We do that, we put our hands together so they're not touching and fidgeting anything. Now, that wasn't a big deal for me as an only child, but for when I had children, I realized putting your hands together when you pray is important because they're kind of poking. And they're messing, and like, no, 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 put it here so you're not with distractions. You close your mouth. Why do you close your mouth? So your brain is not thinking about what you need to talk about. You're not chewing on food. How many times have we prayed for the bacon that has already been consumed by your child, right? Like, I pray for that food not to rot in your stomach because you're trying to get them not to eat before you pray, right? Close your eyes. Is there something magical about closing your eyes? No, that's not like, oh, God, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer Kendall's prayer because she closed her eyes at lunch. If she would have kept them open, nope. Not going to answer it, but that's not the way it is. We close our eyes for the proper posture to not be distracted by all the stuff going on, right? And so this posture, nothing will change, will have a greater impact on your prayer life than your posture while praying. Now, posture is how you, you hold yourself. Now, I'm don't, not really a big stickler on if it's posture, your physical posture, but I, your emotional and spiritual posture is incredibly important. Are you praying to the master creator, Lord of creation, or are you praying to the genie in the bottle that you're ordering around? You have a different posture when you do that. Does this make sense? In the scripture, the prop, and, and still people do this today, and some of the people in this church I know pray this way, but they pray on their knees. Maybe you've seen pictures of this. Maybe you've seen somebody do it. They're on their knees. Why are you on your knees? Because it's a posture of saying, I am submissive. I am underneath. I am coming to a king who is greater than me. I am on my knees. James, who wrote this book of the Bible, he is also the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James is the brother of Jesus. And so when James is, when he says, he opens his whole book with what? I am a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. How many of you that have brothers and sisters could admit that your brother was the son of God and he's the one that died on the cross to save you from your sins. That would be a difficult thing because that same brother I got annoyed with because he never did anything wrong. He never got in trouble with my mom. He never did this and he never did that and never did this. So James, it's incredibly important for James to have the proper posture when praying because he remembers teenage Jesus. And he remembers all of that. And so as he keeps the proper posture, James, you went, he's got a funny nickname. You know what his nickname was? Camel Knees. His nickname was Camel Knees. So Mr. Camel Knees, James, the brother of Jesus. Why is he called Camel Knees? Because we've got, got a picture here I want to show up. This is what apparently his knees look like. This is what a Camel Knees look like. They're full of calluses. Full of calluses. Why? Because when he got, he was spent so much time with the proper posture on his knees coming before God. 
Now, maybe that's something you need to incorporate in your own life uh, to have a posture. I know people have set, have, uh, have set different things. I used to pray on my knees for a while, and uh, I had a little, like, uh, a weeding pillow thing I would, I would use um, because that's, that's where I, I wanted to be, uh, how I wanted. I needed to remind myself of the proper posture when I came to prayer because it's real easy to be like, God, um, where are you at on this whole, uh, you know, new job thing? Because uh, my timetable has you get that done last week, and I'm not sure if you have that. If you got the memo, I sent an email, uh, right? But when we're on our knees in 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 submission to the God, to to our the, per, the to God who bought our past and our present and our future, who set us free, we have a different mindset. It's really hard to order somebody around when you're in full submission. Does this make sense? Give me a head rattle if it is, okay? Mr. Camel Knees, James, the brother of Jesus. Think about that. Every time he prays, he's got to remember the right, correct posture. How neat is it known that he's known, his knees are so mangled and so messed up because he prayed so much. James verse 15, 5 verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. It's all about the attitude in which we pray. What's our posture? How are we coming before God? Are we ordering him around or are we talking to the master, the creator, Savior of the universe. For you and me today, we need to kind of change our mindset in prayer. I think how we hold ourselves, how we have this posture could drastically change how we we pray. We've had some pretty big health concerns in this church lately. And it's very, 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 very tempting to start praying, God, um, I need you to get on this. And it's hard in those mindsets when something's so immediate and something so painful and so hurtful and, and, and it just wrecks our soul not to be like, God, what are, you, what are you doing? And honestly, I've had those moments where I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I need to remember, am I the master? Am I the owner of the genie bottle? Or am I coming before the creator of the universe? That's a different idea. Jared, if he's going to be who he wants to be in Christ Jesus, Jared, the bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. Dean, the bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. How does that change our mindset? And folks, as we pray this morning, as we try to to, to pray even through the very hurtful and painful things of life, to the things that make absolutely no sense, when our posture says, Jared or myself is the bondservant of God. And through that, I come to God and I say, God, I don't know how else this is going to happen. 
but you're God and I'm not. That requires a level of trust. It requires a, a level of submission that maybe we're not even comfortable with. It's hard. It's difficult. But the most important thing, nothing will have a greater impact in your prayer life than the posture you have while praying. We have to have the proper attitude of submission. We got to gain camel knees, right? Uh, there's uh, something else that camel knees provide. Uh, being on your knees provides. If we have the other picture of the camel, I think there's another one. Yes. See how they're sitting? They're goofy animals, aren't they? I did a lot of research on camels this week. I, I was trying to do the whole message and, and just different physical attributes that camels have. I was going to teach you all, all the, the physiology of camels. This is really cool. I'm going to do this one. It has nothing to do with the message, but then we'll go back to it. I could, I could tease it, but we're just going to do this one because it's cool. Their cells, their red blood cells, everyone, all other mammals are circles. And so there's only so much water they can hold before they blow up. Camels, their cells are ovals. And so they stretch longer so they can hold more water and still go through your veins. Cool. <laughs> All right? So they can, like, drink, what was it, 53 gallons at a time? 53. Well, Kevin and I did the math. It was like 260 pounds of uh, water. You think when you drink, uh, you know, 12 ounces of water, you're sloshing? Can you just whatever? But that's a, that's a camel fact. You need to know that. But that's the, the now, now this is where I go with biology, okay? I am blown away when I study something as the camel is so uniquely designed for where it lives. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's like God said, you know what, I'm going to spend a little extra time on this mammal. Like, and he just, there's so many, I could go on for another half an hour about how the camel is uniquely designed. That God of all creation says, you know what, let's just do this. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, you know, it would be better if we did this too. And it's just so uniquely designed by a creative creator uh, that you get this weird-looking animal, the camel. But why it sits like this? this is, the camel does a lot of stuff sitting in this position. It sleeps in this position. Now, you notice the shadow underneath its belly. Now, when I sleep, I don't sleep on my knees. I'm, like, all sprawled out right on my side. Except if you've ever been to the beach when it's 100 degrees outside, what do you not want to touch the sand? Any part of your body touches the skin, it's, ah, the floor is lava. You're actually playing the game floor is lava without your flip-flops on, right? And so these camels, they, God developed them with these camel knees. They have these extra big calluses on them. So when they sit down and they go to rest, air can still move underneath their belly and it can move over their back and it helps keep them cool. So they don't burn themselves on the, on the sand. Okay, God, why, why would you like, care that much more about a dumb camel that you did that for it? The only place that the camel has fat on its body is those humps. God created these, 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 this camel that, you know, I carry my fat right here, right? Uh, so, but, and then there's a few other places I carry my fat as well. But uh, that's primarily what I go. The, the camel, whether it has one hump or two humps, carries almost all of its fat in those humps. That's not water, but the camel, God created the camel in such a unique way that every cell of fat, for every gram of of fat that's in those humps, a camel's metabolism can get a gram of water out of it. So you can go like 
forever without drinking water because it just, isn't that nice? If I was thirsty, I could just burn some fat cells and be like, oh, I'm good. It'd be a great diet plan. Uh, that's that's that not healthy for you. Uh, you will die if you try to do that, okay? So don't do that. The camel is, God created the camel specifically in unique ways to do that. There's just all these, these weird, weird, weird ways. But as we get back to this idea of submission, the camel is on its knees, and at its moment of rest, it is uniquely created to get other benefits from that. When we pray in submission, when we have the proper posture of submission on our knees to God, whether that's emotionally, spiritually, physically, that we have this moment, we also gain the added benefit of rest. Prayer is about this idea of rest. God is the only master that we'll ever have that wants us to take more time off. There's this biblical truth that comes in the, in the Ten Commandments. You're going to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. What in the world does that mean? God takes a people who were in slavery, that they didn't have control of their lives, and says, you know what I'm going to do is my first act of being your God and being your boss, I'm going to give you a mandatory day off once a week. You can't even cook on this day. Isn't that crazy? That God is a God of rest. God, as master of our life, wants the best for us. He has uniquely created even the rhythms of our body to say you get more rest. Prayer is one of these ways in which we, when we fully submit our ideas and our life to him, we come in contact with this idea of rest. Some of us are scared if we actually rest, what's going to happen? Because what happens when you rest at home? Right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Your life's been going crazy. It's back to school. Your brain's been going crazy. You sit down. The first thing you go through is you feel guilty you're not doing something. And then all of a sudden your brain starts going, boom, you got to do that. Boom, you need to do that. Oh, man, there's a tumbleweed of dog hair going across the floor. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do it. Ding, 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 ding. And, and no, 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 no. At this moment and this time, rest. Prayer in this proper posture of submission is about submitting to God and submitting to the rest that he wants to give you. See, in the matter of prayer, we bring our stuff to God as a bondservant, as we respectfully would the greatest boss of all time. We don't come into the office and say, hey, uh, you need to get on this, you need to get on that, you need to do this. We come and we respect and submit to God. As we think about prayer this week, as we think about how we can change maybe the, our attitudes of prayer, because if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we've been getting kind of ordery around. We've been kind of treating God as a genie in a bottle instead of as the God of creation. I know this is a hard thing. I know when we deal with hard issues, we deal with stuff. God cares about the hard stuff as well, Okay. Bible uses God and um, God as Father a lot. It uses it uses that imagery a lot. If Kendall scrapes her knee, if she hurts herself, if she's got stuff going on at school and she comes home crying, her daddy wants to hear about it, right? Some of those things I'm not going to fix immediately because she's got to work through it. If I come to her aid every time she's got a problem with somebody at school, she's never going to learn how to deal with those things. She's never going to be the person that she can be. Now, 
She came in yesterday, a cut on her foot. Looks at me, said, do you need a Band-Aid? Yeah. All right, we'll get a Band-Aid. Some of these things I can Band-Aid up. Some of these things God will say, I can Band-Aid that up. So other things is like, you know what? This is, a, this is a moment in which you get to be the creation that I know you can be. Sometimes we don't think we, don't think we can handle those lessons. We don't think we can rise to those occasions. But God thinks a lot about us. He knows we can do it because you know what? He created us. He knows. And you know, he created, spent all this time on a stupid camel that doesn't have a soul. It's not going to heaven. But he created you and you have a soul and he loves you and he calls you his. He cares so much more about you. If he cares enough about a camel to make really cool red blood cells that it can drink more water, how much more does he care about Hunter and Bowen and Caitlin? The answer is a lot. As we think about prayer this morning, how is our posture when we come before God? Are we living a life of submission to the creator of the universe. I got some questions for you this morning as we think about this. How is your attitude about prayer right now? How is your attitude about prayer right now? Did you get cranky when I started talking about submitting to him? Did you come up with excuses on why? Well, God, God should do this because full disclosure, been there before. All right. How's your attitude about prayer right now? Is that something you just need to start submitting to God? My attitude towards you right now. Because God, if I'm honest, I'm a little bitter, I'm a little cranky, maybe a lot cranky, and a lot bitter. How is your attitude about prayer right now? How can you pray for your family members? How can you pray for your family members intentionally? Not, God, will you please shut them up? That's not how we want this to work. How do you intentionally pray for your family members' pain? How do you give praises? God, they are Oh, they're doing so many cool things right now. God, I just thank you for all the awesome opportunities in life. How do you, how do you praise God because of your family members? And finally, how can you pray for your neighbors? How can you pray for your neighbors? How can you intentionally lift up the, the people that live across the street and to the left and to the right of you? What's going on in their life? We had um, the Galettis, who some of you guys know, they live to the, the left of me, and their daughter, Paige, um, had a uh, Dodge Neon, a 95 Dodge Neon, so it had put some miles on it. It was actually, the, this is not the same car, but that was my first car as well. Uh, and so this uh, this car, she was driving on the freeway, and the engine, uh, whatever uh, things hold the engine into the car broke, they rusted out, and and the engine fell out and started pushing on all the the things that hold the wheel on. So the wheels bowed out. I know I'm using really technical terms for the cars. You can educate me later. But um, I'm bringing it down for the kids. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you guys are laughing way too much at that. Uh, and, so the, and so the tires are bowled out. And she's on, uh, she's on 55 going 80 miles per hour. And she calls her dad. And she's like, Dad, the car feels like I'm on ice, but I'm not on ice. And he's like, come home. And she pulls in and basically, uh, the engine, as soon as she gets out of the car, the engine falls out of the stinking, the axle bends and breaks out, out of the car. She was just going 80 miles per hour. Like at Troy, I was like, well, I hope you're prayed up now. He's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, there's moments that you can pray. Like I, I can't imagine putting my daughter in the car, not that car, any car ever again. Like, nope, come here with the bubble wrap. <laughs> there, you there you go. You're good. You're never leaving the house again. Thank you. Um, Kendall just got another year. She doesn't get to leave the basement. Uh, 
How can you pray for your neighbors? I'm going to pray for Troy and Amy that they would have uh, peace the next time Paige gets in the car, right? Because I, I would be popping Rolades like nobody's business. But how can you pray for your neighbors? There's intentional stories that you need to be praying for them. Your neighbors are going through stuff. As we come with the proper posture of submission, God, I lift up, and I lift up, and I lift up, and there's stuff, and this story, and that thing. We need to be coming before God in this. James, when he writes this, I love it. He writes with the, and this is, when we take James out of, uh, out of context, out of the whole rest of the book, when we just read these few verses, we're like, oh, well, well, God should get on that. The prayer of a righteous man. I'm okay, righteous. I ask for forgiveness. I'm good. God, you should be answering these things. Hey, if you're sick, get the elders up here. Let's pray for you. Okay, we're done. Good. Gossip. You're healed, right? No? What's wrong? God's broken. Like, there's so many assumptions that James is making at the end of that, that, that we make those, those same assumptions, and then we're like, well, why did it work for James? My God's broken. His God worked. I need a, a recall or something. And I'm tired of feeling that way. And when I think about that, uh, I make those assumptions. I jump out of context to, to James. And what really happens is he's still speaking in that same book. James, a bondservant of God and Jesus Christ. Everything we do is in submission. Everything we do is out of submission. That good and great master will do these things, can do these things. But also sometimes the answer is, nope, I'm sorry. We need to know that. We need to have that firmly entrenched in us. So we're not just frustrated with God like he's somebody taking our order at Wendy's through the drive-thru. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for these families. Thank you for these kids. Thank you that you are a God who will listen to us whine. That you are a God who has patience with us and listen to us in our heartbeat. That you are a God who cares about our day. You, are, you care about our victories. You care about our losses. You care about our stresses. You care about all of us. You care about our silly hobbies. You care about us. That you, the master and creator of the universe, who knit our bodies together, care and love us. God, thank you for that. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're trying to do in our lives. And God, I ask that this moment and this time, that this church, that from our youngest member to our oldest member, we would align ourselves in proper posture as we come before you. That we would remember to submit ourselves emotionally and spiritually and even physically to you. We love you, Jesus. I'm amazed by you. I'm amazed by what you do and what you teach us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.